Today's episode of the Creative Sheet Podcast is brought to you by Renewed Vision, the creators of ProPresenter. For over 17 years, ProPresenter has been used by churches all over the world for lyric and scripture presentations, audio and video playback, environmental projection, and a lot more, Jared. You know, Roman, I would say that ProPresenter is the creme de la creme. It is the creme de la creme. If you're looking for something to uh, play video slides, uh, audio files, it's it's really versatile. You can probably use it for things that I don't even know you can use You can use throw those lyrics up on the screen for those for those amazing worship sets that you're doing through ProPresenter. If you're playing a game in a kid's classroom, you can use these, you can like do, make a game board, you can use props. It's can, incredible. It's it's uh, really amazing. Um, ProPresenter is used by over 95% of outreach magazines, 100 largest, fastest growing, and most influential churches. It's available on both Mac and Windows, so it's very, versa- uh, very versatile. So head over to RenewedVision.com and check it out. Now, let's get to the show. I'm Whit George, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello, Creative Sheep crew. This is Jared Hogan. You are listening to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Sitting around the table from me is uh, none other than Roman Johnson. That's me. It's great to be here on this uh, wonderful day. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. I'm doing great. I I believe today is the day after Christmas. That is if you're listening immediately when this podcast dropped. Oh my goodness. So The day after Christmas. The day after Christmas. Christmas just happened. It's a beautiful thing. I love Christmas. Did you get any good Christmas presents, Roman? Well, I don't know because this is we're, we're thinking we're recording into the future right That's now. That's true. It hasn't Christmas hasn't happened. That's true. Um, but I'm hoping for um, maybe some uh, leatherworking supplies. That's true. Roman has started. St- you're you're laughing, but it's true. Roman has started uh, working with his hands more. Yes. Uh, being a, a, Arti- a artisan, an artisanal. Craftsman, a, le- a leatherman. I don't know if that's. A <laughs> I don't thing. know. I just thought it looked fun to make stuff out of leather, and so I'm giving it a try. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll give I'll give a, a, a Creative Sheet branded leather wallet away. On this, on here. that would be amazing, uh, folks. If you're listening out there, Roman is actually this is not out of the norm for him. Let's just walk through a few of the things you've made. You've you've made your own peanut butter. I've I regularly make my own peanut butter. Uh, I say it's it's. Uh, uh, madness to buy peanut butter. Yeah, you and your wife have made lotions. We do. I don't use lotion typically, well, but she likes to use it. Uh, I believe you make your own hair product. Uh, I have currently. I'm not using my own hair product because it didn't work very well. <laughs> but you <laughs> but have I, made. I it. have made it before. I gave it a try. Uh, uh, apparently, it's pretty tooth- co- pretty complex. Toothpaste. I uh, yes, I make my own toothpaste. And uh, you have made your own soap. I do. I have a large batch of bar soap that I loafs I have many of bar ma- soap. I, many loaves of soap have been made at the Johnson household. So, do you just like take the whole loaf and you're like two hands to rub it on no, your body? No, that would or? be ridiculous, Jared. <laughs> you slice it like bread. Of, yeah, that's not ridiculous at all. <laughs> There's a whole soap making community out there. All right, it's mainly of women. Of course, there is. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I was just going to blaze a trail for the for the males uh, when it comes to making soap. So, Roman, if someone would like to grab a bar of this soap or purchase a bar of your soap, how would they do that? Should they you, just email you? 
<laughs> you can. You you no. You can't. That's not for sale currently. Oh, uh, because I didn't perfect it to uh, to the state that it needed to be to be sold. But in, if, the, in the marketplace. But if someone really wants one of these bars of soap, yeah, e- I guess email me. <laughs> Well, hey, folks, send us an email, jared at creativesheep.org, and we'll get you a bar of soap. I'm not making any promises. It's going to be amazing. No, and it might, I don't know. We're going to have to charge you something. I don't even know what it would be, but <laughs> hey, ship if, it. if you're to interested. ship a bar yeah. of soap. Uh, hey, let's move on. Let's stop talking about this other stuff. <laughs> um, man, folks, we got a great episode for you today. This is episode 46. Episode 46. Here 46. we go. Um, and once again, we've got, we're going weekly come 2017. So uh, just a few days away, we're going to have a weekly episode of the Creative Sheet Podcast for you. Uh, going to be hitting the airwaves every, in your ears. Every Monday? Every Monday. Every, every single, single Monday, Monday. You're going to be getting that fresh content, that Creative Sheet fresh content. We got interviews. We got interviews. Coming up. Coming up. Every week. Tons of practical tips. That's what that's what we want to provide value. We want to give you super practical things that you can apply when you listen to these episodes. Like soap making tips. <laughs> coming in 2017, um, your eardrums are just going to be blasted with, with just tons of practicality um, and pragmatism. It's going to be great. It will be very great. I'm excited. Yeah. So, Roman, let's, let's get to today's show. We've got a phenomenal interview with Wit George. Wit, the one and only. The one and only. Wit has, is uh, world-renowned for his uh, creative prowess in the church. He's done some incredible things. And about two, three years ago, he transitioned from the arts director of Church on the Move to the executive pastor of Church on the Move. Hold on a second. Break that down for me. What's that mean? So he is overseeing the day-to-day operations of Church on the Move. So they're, they're in the middle of a transition right now. He and his dad, Pastor Willie George, who was also on the show uh, not too long ago, and Wit is uh, basically the successor of Church on the Move, and Pastor's still here, and they've made it very clear Pastor Willie George is not going anywhere, um, and they've just had some really great success with this. And so that's what that's our main topic of conversation today. Wit was on the show; he was actually on uh, one of the first episodes of the show, one of the pioneers, if you will. He was talking about creativity and a little bit about the transition. It was when he was on the front end of that transition. Um, but today he's just looking back over these past couple of years, things he's learned, uh, things he's learned, and he's been in ministry, Roman, for over two decades now, over 20 years. That's impressive. Um, and so he, he's done some stuff. He knows some stuff. And, so, Jared, and, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm uh, not an executive pastor, I'm not the guy in charge, is this interview still going to provide value to me? You better believe it. I, I would highly recommend anybody in leadership, anyone under authority, which is everyone, yes, <laughs> um, to listen to this episode. He has some really great advice, especially for young leaders. Um, this we, we think this podcast is for everybody, but let's be honest, Roman, we're, we're essentially, we're talking to ourselves yeah. through this podcast. I get more out of this podcast than probably anybody. So, so uh, you know, I think if you're a young leader out there like Roman or I, um, this podcast will really resonate for you and hopefully set you free in some areas, maybe uh, give you some insight in some areas and working with the people above you, uh, which is a big deal. The Bible has a lot to say about honoring those in authority over you. You look at David, he could have killed Saul, but because he knew he needed to honor him and in killing him, he would have been able to take the throne because he was anointed to be next king and, and he didn't. And so... I think uh, learning from that and then learning from people like Wit on how to properly uh, walk through these transi- transitions, even when it's hard. He, he talks a little bit about that, some frustrations he's had and that kind of thing. It's really good. So, uh, Roman, I think without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Wit George. Well, Wit, thanks so much for joining us back on the show, back for a sophomore episode. Thank you for having me. Surprised yeah. I'm back, back again, honestly. <laughs> Seriously? So, yeah, 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 a little bit. Oh man, our audience has loved you. You've oh, been cool. you've been one of our most listened to episodes. Wow. Um, and this one sitting in your beautiful home office. This is incredible, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Just got done with it. Uh, well, 
let's let's jump in here. Tell everybody out there, just kind of in a nutshell, on the last episode, I think you were episode two and three, maybe I'm, I'm blanking on it, the exact number, but you were really early in the episode. You were on the show a couple of years ago talking about the creative process. You were kind of on the front end of a, of a pretty big transition that you're yeah. going through, and that's, that's going to be our main topic of conversation today. But just let everybody out there know kind of how you got where you are today. Oh, boy. Well, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, my dad had, uh, was in ministry before I was born. So somewhere around two, we moved to Tulsa. That was 38 years ago. And uh, my dad was uh, doing a kid's TV show somewhere early childhood. So the Gospel Bill show, if you know much about that, that was my dad. And then in 87, he started Church on the Move. Yeah, 87. And I would have been 11 years old. So I still remember the first Sunday. Uh, went to church, obviously, there <laughs> from, you know, I don't know, 11 years old to 18, 19 years old, somewhere in there after I graduate high school. Don't really know what I want to do. I had dreams of being a, a professional basketball player. Obviously, that didn't work out uh, and, and wasn't nearly good enough to, to, to do any of that. But, but that's, that was all I really had planned for myself. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I graduate high school, start working at the church, just, just kind of doing odds and ends jobs. I had been working over the summers and stuff like that. My dad put me to work when I was like 12. Were you, were you like jazz to go to work at the church? No, at that time? I, I mean, it, it wasn't, any, it wasn't anything I dreaded necessarily. It wasn't anything I was looking forward to. It was just a job. I, I was laying sod and I hated that. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, I only did it for a couple of weeks. It was hard. I mean, it was just, it was just every day, hot, laying sod, you're filthy, no fun. A couple of weeks into it, my dad comes to me and uh, says, you know, I think you ought to move into our, our TV department again. At that time, he still had some TV things going. So I was stunned uh, that he thought I had any shot of doing anything like that. I, I, I didn't have any clue that uh, creativity or the arts or any of that was anything that, that I was, had, you know, any gifts in. So I started doing that and... Uh, Somewhere through there, got involved in, in graphic design that led, led into our youth ministry. I mean, I, I've, just about anything at our church, you name it, I've had some involvement mm -hmm. in it. Um, but got a real like heavy start in the arts, got really deeply into graphic design and music, thought I was going to be a graphic designer, uh, loved that, doing that job. And, uh, but, but it was just an experience for me to kind of... Uh, I don't know, pair with the things that I had, you know, other things I was doing at the time, music, film, things like that, that were going to kind of carry me into my arts role. So somewhere around 2005, that was roughly about 11 years into my, my uh, tenure at Church on the Move, I became the arts director and uh, did that for about 10 years almost. And then the last two, two and a half years, I've been uh, executive pastor, which um, is really just a title... <laughs> For uh, it's just kind of an interesting title. I'm not much of an executive pastor. I'm finding out what executive pastor really is, and it's not me. <laughs> what I am doing is leading more of the vision and direction of our church and the staff and and so forth, kind of where we're headed and, and that kind of thing. So it's it's been quite a journey. 22 years now at, at Church on the Move. Wow. So 20 plus years ministry experience. Your dad has been in ministry now. Of course, Pastor Willie George, uh, who was on the show not too long ago, talking about his 40 plus years of ministry experience, which yeah. was a phenomenal conversation. That actually, to this day, is our most listened to episode <laughs> of all time. Um, this wasn't even, I wasn't even planning on asking you this. Is it 
has it at all been intimidating growing up as Pastor Willie George's son, and especially especially now in the role that you're you're kind of moving into? I mean, he's been leading this church for the yeah. past, the, the 37 years or whatever. We're coming up on 30 years total. Yeah. So 27 yeah. years, he was the he was the guy. Yeah. Um, has there been any of that kind of fear or trepidation in you of like, holy crap, I'm I'm Willie George's son? Yeah. No, actually, oddly enough, there should be, but there hasn't been. Hmm. I think because we're we're really different from each other. There's a lot of similarities. I know how to talk to my dad. We get along really well. Yeah. Um, I, I talk to him almost every day, and um, um, but at the same time, we're we're quite different. And I. One of my hesitancies, even about about being in ministry or seeing myself as a minister. Of course, when I started the church, I didn't think of myself as a ministry person at all. I was a I was an artist. I'll help you do ministry, but that's not me. Yeah. And then you know, somewhere along the way, that that changed. And I I mean, there's specific events that I could talk about that kind of led to all of that. But there there was a time where I I realized, no, I'm actually called to ministry, and specifically, I think I'm going to be a pastor. And, 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 um, but part of my hesitancy of even seeing myself in that role was that I was nothing like my dad or that I didn't want to be like my dad. I mean, that sounds bad, but I mean, I just, I didn't see myself talking like he talked, dressing like he dresses, you know, I, I, I had assumed that ministry would, would equal me being exactly like my dad. And so since I've never wanted to do that, even though I admire my dad so much, I just, I've always wanted to kind of, I'm, I got a real strong independent streak in me that I think, you know, really comes from my mom. And, uh, and so, you know, I've just never thought of myself as being in any sort of competition in that way because we're just so different. I speak differently than he speaks. You know, we, we just, we do things differently, lead differently. There's a lot yeah. of things we do differently. So I haven't thought of it that much. Yeah. I mean, like his teaching style, he opens the Bible and just, yeah, he just goes. hits you with yeah. it. And <laughs> an amazing, amazing yeah. communicator and teacher yeah. and storyteller. Good grief. Yeah, he is. Um, where your style is, uh, it, it, it you you have a more uh, like a one sh- one point approach. Yeah, I do, uh, I do, and I, I I don't know. It's just a, it's a different it's a different teaching style. I try not to use. I, I don't know. I'm 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 trying to connect to people who don't uh, automatically assume the the biblical uh, the 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 the, uh, the authority of scripture. Yeah. So I try to come at them with logic a little bit first and, and see if I can kind of crack the door open that way. And that's just part of that's a conviction that I have just based off of our changing culture. I just feel like uh, I, that's just my conviction. I don't think, I don't think there's one exact right approach to preaching. I think there's a lot of different ways. And, yeah. and so that's, that's kind of my way. Um, would you say just as far as to, to go just a little bit further on this question of kind of being, you not feeling overshadowed by your dad, um, has he helped play a role in that? Because it sounds like just kind of through your journey, I think at one time I saw like even when, from when you were a child, you, it's probably creepy that I know this, but you had drawn a picture of Michael Jordan, yeah. I think, and maybe yeah, even right there on the wall. Sent, oh, right there, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I knew I'd seen it somewhere. I still have it. Um, but and you sent it to him, and if I'm not mistaken, he autographed it and sent it back. Is yeah, that, that is happened. That right? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so your dad picked up on this even like with you, like you said, you started laying sod, and then just after a couple of weeks, he already noticed that you needed to go yeah he was he i mean my dad's been great about trying to put me where i'm best Mm. he's never tried to make me be anything that i wasn't he never paraded any of us around on stage he didn't put us in the spotlight he didn't demand extra of us because we were preacher's kids or the pastor's kid 
My parents did a phenomenal job of raising us and allowing us to be normal. And, uh, and, and I think that's why none of us have ba- a bad taste in our mouth to this day in regards to ministry or the church or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, he, he has always, in fact, what's amazing is whenever I first started speaking, uh, this 2005 was the first time I spoke to our congregation, our adult congregation. And what's amazing is he told me that I was speaking in advance. Let me know when, but never, and this, some people might think this is nuts, but he never sat down with me to say, let me walk you through how to do this. Wow. Yeah. He just let me do it (laughs) (laughs) because, but I think, you know, he, and this is so tough and I've thought about this just with my own kids and depending on what they want to do with their lives, I've thought, man, could I do that? Would I, would I be, I mean, that would be hard to not just go in and go, let me show you how this works. Let me walk you through this. But I think he just knew, I don't know how, but he instinctively knew that I was going to do it differently anyway, yeah. and that no matter if he tried to force me to do it his way, I wouldn't have done it that way anyway. And so I'm so appreciative of that, but that's why I'm still around, because he's yeah. given me space. Yeah. And so, and, it, and today, what's awesome, and we, your dad and I actually talked about this when he came on the show, but raising up kids. Yeah. And... Uh, one of the things that's always so cool about your family is that you and all of your siblings and spouses are all in some form or fashion yeah. involved in either church on the move or now your brother's gone to plant a church out right. in California. Yeah. That, that's just incredible. I mean, you hear so many stories. I mean, even here in Tulsa of, yeah. of the second generation just yeah. obliterating what the, the first generation had built. And it's so sad. Yeah. But it's just really cool to see the opposite of that here at Church on the Move. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so so now, though, today, so you've gone through all these different transitions, worked in all these different capacities at the church, now in the executive role. Like you said, you're leading the staff, kind of the day-to-day of the church. Um, uh, what what would you say is kind of the, uh, the biggest thing you're learning right now, going from over these past three years from the arts director in which, I mean, you had some world-renowned recognition over this, what Church on the Move did in the arts world and, and in creativity for the church specifically, um, to now you've shifted to a totally different role. What would you say is the biggest thing you've, you're learning now or maybe even just kind of over the course of these three years? What, what is that, that thing that really stands out for you? You know what I'm, I'm learning, uh, Jared, is I'm learning to find uh, convictions around a different set of, I don't know, a different set of issues. When it came to the arts, I was able to do, and not just I, we, our team was able to do what we did because I had some pretty solid convictions about what I thought was good and what I thought was bad. I, I knew, I, I, I just, I knew because of years of experience and trial and error, I knew what was going to work, what wasn't going to work, and um, and 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 I stuck with it. I knew like. I, I just had deep convictions about things, and that makes working so much easier. And that doesn't mean what I did or what we did was easy, but um, it certainly helps. And when I stepped into a ministry role, it's funny, or, or really into this pastoring role, um, you know, I had been around. My dad watched him for years, been, you know, basically one of his right-hand people for years and years. And so I thought I knew I thought whenever I hit this position, it's like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And there were a few things that I you know, started to do right away. But what I'm finding was that I did not have deep convictions about what a church is, just theological wow. convictions that you feel like you have. But I had to get down and go, okay, no, let's, 
Like, I need to go to the scripture. I need to get a foundation in me, a deep foundation in me about, all right, what, are, what is it that we're trying to do here? What is it that, that Christ has called us? What, is the, what does the church exist for? And I mean, I knew a lot of that stuff on sort of a, I don't know, I won't say a surface level, but not a, it just wasn't deep enough in me. And, I, and, and so what I've had to do over the past three years is really work to, uh, I don't know, find a different set of convictions about who we are, it's just weird. You know, the way I described it um, to my dad a little bit is like, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, uh, maybe your dad has a, a really beautiful car. It's, it's been his baby. He, he's, he's had it your whole life. And finally, he comes to a place where he says, hey, I'm going to give this car to you. I'm going to pass this on to you. And now it's your turn to take it and go, all right, what, what am I going to do with it? And, and you've, you've just always seen it sort of as his car. Mm-hmm. And now whenever it, it's dropped into your lap, it's like, whoa, what, 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 do I, what do I do with this? And that's a little, that's a little intimidating. And so, um, and so that's, I mean, there's been, a, that, that's, there's been a dozen or more different leadership lessons that I've learned over the last you know, couple of years. But, but the biggest takeaway is just trying to figure out those convictions around what is our vision, what are our beliefs, what, why are we doing this, what, what kind of a church do we want to build, what kind of a church do I feel like God's calling me to build? And that's a little freaky, just again, when you've been under somebody else's vision for so long, and now yeah. they're, they're kind of calling you to step up and go, all right, your turn, your vision, what do you got? That's been tough, and it's, but it's been a fun challenge. Wow. So to kind of push on that just a little bit, the, in, in one of the things you said you did is you really delved into scripture um, yeah. to, to kind of find what this, the, your core beliefs are and what God's calling you to with this church. What are some other like super practical things that you've done that have helped in this process? Well, that's a good question. Um, we did it, I, we did it with a group. I did it with our leadership team. We went through those the, the scripture together like that. We used um, one of the things that we just used was Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church book oh. as a leaping off point to say, okay, this is what Rick has written. Let's look at what he's written. Let's read the scriptures. The, the, the book is so full of scripture. So let's read those verses. Let's see if we come to the same conclusions. Another church that we looked at was Church of the Highlands. We didn't just look at their model, but we want to know why do they believe these things and and see if, you know, their theological convictions match up with our theological convictions. And what we found is that we're really similar. It doesn't so much matter that we're the same or that we're different. It just matters that you really believe it to your core. And there's just a lot of things I, you know, that I think we say we believe but when pressed and when you have to make difficult leadership decisions about them, if you don't have those convictions, you just, yeah, I, I, you, end up, you end up kind of searching. You end up looking for, and I think this happens a lot in churches. We go around uh, looking for, I don't know, some, some program that a church does thinking that if we take their program, the way I've kind of likened it is that you go to a church and you see their programs and you take their program, it's like taking... It's like taking all the components of a car except the engine. The convictions are the heart, man. It's the, mm. it's the thing that drives the, the vehicle. Yeah. And so we take everything around it, but we don't have their same convictions. I mean, if you talk to the guys at Highlands, one of the things that you know, they're famous for, they do their growth track, they do their, their small groups model is very particular to them. Um, and, and Dream Team is their, what they call their, you know, their volunteer teams. And, and they're, I mean, they're killing it. They're doing a great job. Yeah. But you talk to them, and they—I uh, I talked to Lane about this, who, 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 
um, is over all of their their multi-site uh, operations. And he 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 was telling me he goes, you know, everything everybody thinks that we're all about growth track, dream team, small groups. He goes, but those are just delivery systems for our vision. Hmm. Our vision is to help people know God, discover purpose, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's and that sounds like a slogan, but man, when you get with those people, it's it's deep. Like mm. there's a deep well there. And we had to come to a spot where we we had that level of conviction around what it was we were trying to do. And it's but it's been amazing that when you go through that exercise, um, just the clarity that you come out with on the other side, you go, okay, so if this is what we really believe, then you can start to organize your entire structure, your leadership, your your staff structure, your programs, your weekends, everything around it, and it starts to align. And that's what, I mean, that's what we're in the process of doing right now. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about you, Witt, and I've been, I've been around you for a long time, and I had the privilege of working, not like super close with you over the past couple of years, but we, we were in decent proximity. And yeah. um, one of the things I see from you back in arts, and even when you were on the show last time, you, you one of the kind of one of the claim to fames of Church on the Move is the Thriller Grinch, the piece we did <laughs> okay. at yeah. Christmas. And, and um, <clears throat> you talk about, though, how this, it wasn't like you were just sitting in a room and you all of a sudden had the spark of inspiration of we're going to combine the Grinch and the Thriller was things you'd seen elsewhere yeah. that came together to make this beautiful piece that you did at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing that same thing, mm. even though you're in a different role now. Um, and, and I've told you this before, that that's one of the things I appreciate appreciate about you so much is how teachable you are. You're, you It never comes across like, I've got all the answers. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And that you go you go search for the answers well, my assumption, my my starting point in life is that I feel like I'm wrong. Wow. And so I should try to figure out what I don't know. It's part of my personality type. It makes it makes life a little bit hard for me. I have a lot of doubts about things all, all over the place. People don't even want to know all the doubts that, that kick around <laughs> in my mind. Um, but But I assume that there's probably more information out there that I don't know. And that if I don't find it, I'm going to make, I'm going to make mistakes because... I'm gonna I'm gonna be you know acting with incomplete information, yeah. So it makes me have to really search for a lot of different answers to try to find find what it is. But the truth is, and when you're talking about uh, you know the, the whole Grinch thing there, and and the way that relates to now, I don't know if I said this last time or not, but it's worth repeating. That creativity is not about discovery; it is about uh, connection, mm. and that's a really important principle when it comes to creating anything. Um, you're not looking for discovery assumes that uh, it's almost like an idea will come to you fully formed. Like, like when it hits, it's like, uh, you know, you discovered a a lost city or a hidden treasure or something like that. Um, And what I have found, and it's not just me, but what, when you, when you really get around people that do this well, what they will tell you is it's, it's a connection. It's finding two things that seemingly have no connection. A great example, the Grinch and Thriller. Two things that don't have a connection and finding ways to connect those things together. Seeing how connections are possible. That's what creativity is, is finding, seeing something in one context and using it in another. And that, that's, that speaks to the fact that our creativity is different than God's. God creates things from nothing. And so he can do, you know, he can do whatever he wants. We have to create things from things that have already been made. So that makes mm. sense. All we do is take things that, have, that God already made and we use them. We find inventive ways to use those things. But none of the emotions that we'll tap into 
um, are, are, are new. We're not creating new emotions. When a, when a speaker speaks or a filmmaker makes their films, they're not tapping into untapped emotions. Those emotions already existed. They just found a way to tap into those emotions. Everything that we do is something that's already been made. It, it already exists. And so all we're doing is, is connecting those things together. And in the role that I'm in now, it's still the same thing. Um, that's, you know, over here on my bookshelf, I've got a couple of different books, uh, about McDonald's and I've just been reading about the McDonald's operation from, because I think there's a lot of application for what they do to what we do, trying to go into a more of a, become more of a multi-site church. I want to do that. We want to do that. Well, how do you do that? Well, McDonald's has figured out the franchise thing pretty well. Um, and I learned about it through E-Myth. You had Michael Gerber on your podcast here. So if you've read E-Myth and you know there's a lot of emphasis on McDonald's, I thought, well, let's just, I want to go deeper into that. Let's see what, what, what else I can find out. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning about them right now. But that's making those connections. How can I take you know, information that McDonald's, things I can learn from McDonald's and use it in a church application? I, I think there are connections there. Totally. I mean, it's just fran- franchising the church. Yeah, it is. It's all it is. Yeah. And I, I'm convinced that church and business are not different. They're, really? Yeah, they're one and the same. The product's a little bit different. I think, I think business done properly is mm. not different than church. Interesting. It's all about people. Everything yeah. is about people. Yeah, and serving so, people. Sure. Yeah, exactly. If you serve people properly, you're going to do well. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, so so back, kind of back to the transition here uh, from, from your dad to you. Um, was, this, was this like, was this a part of your plan all along? No, no, it wasn't my plan. I don't know that it was his plan either. Um, early on, I don't know that really either one of us, I'm, I don't know, I've never asked him what he thought about me whenever I first started, if he thought I had any sort of potential as a pastor or anything like that. I'm not sure when he first started thinking that I might be able to do this. Um, I know I probably did maybe mm, about 11 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, something like that. Mm. The, the, the seed started entering my really? mind. Yeah. Yeah, whenever I knew that I, for me, preaching was the biggest one. I thought, I don't want to be a preacher. When I realized that I could be myself and communicate, then I thought, oh, wow. And that's what, when it all kind of unlocked. And I thought, oh, I think oh, it could okay. be a lead, a lead. Because I knew I had leadership in me. I knew I could lead. I just didn't know, I didn't know what that was going to end up being. And so whenever I saw that I could be a communicator and a leader and all of that, then I realized, oh, you know, I think, I think these, that's... It's kind of weird. There's 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 a spiritual part of that too. There's a there's a call that happens, and that that'll happen around that same time as well. Um, but yeah, probably 10, 10, 12 years ago, somewhere in there is when I first started realizing it. And of course, me being the idiot that I was at that time, thought I was ready pretty much right away. You know, let's just go ahead and do this. And uh, and I wasn't anywhere near ready. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't really part of our our plan necessarily. It just kind of happened organically, which is what I. Th- think he was wanting to have happen all along anyway mm. who knows i've never asked him you should ask him <laughs> on your next time you have him on the show <laughs> i just might um and then let me know what his response <laughs> is <laughs> um so going through this transition it, kind of moving from arts to this executive role i've actually heard your dad has said that transition is a really tricky place to be because there's so much instability yeah. in transition yeah wow um, and so with that, what would you say has been for you like the biggest challenge over these past two to three years? Oh man, over the past two to three years, well, 
Or even for that there's matter, a couple just in your time at the church. Yeah, there's a couple of challenges. The first challenge I would say is patience. Mm. I'm going to tell you that you probably always, I, I, I don't know, depending on, maybe, maybe just depending on the kind of leader that you are, but I could say for me, uh, patience and realizing that you're not as ready as you think you are. Some people, I don't know, probably struggle with, you know, insecurity. And that's never, that's not really ever been my problem. I've thought I could do more than what I could do. Yeah. And so learning to be patient, there were things I saw about our church. It's funny. There are things that I saw, you know, 10 years ago that I thought needed to change in our church that we have now changed that me and my dad had disagreements on way back then. And did those disagreements ever take place publicly? Oh, no. Oh no, never. Yeah, no, and those no, we never we never let any of that happen. That's one of the coolest things I've seen about you is how honoring you are to your dad. Yeah. Uh, especially publicly. Not that there's something else that takes place privately, but it, I I think it's Andy Stanley that says be an honest critic privately, but a raving fan publicly. Well, that's great. And, that's good advice. And I see that in you. That you I you never speak ill of your dad. Um, even in prepping for this, making sure like yeah. we're not painting him in any kind of light. Um, and that's awesome, man. I think that's super cool. Well, and I, I mean, it's a scriptural principle, honor your father and mother. My dad, here, here's the thing that, that, that you can get hung up on is that, you know, no matter what leader you're working for, you're going to find frustration working for them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether they're perfect. I mean, Peter worked for Jesus, still frustrated. Yep. Judas worked for Jesus, still frustrated. So here you have the perfect leader and... He, they were, you know, you have frustrated guys. It's human nature. You're going to be frustrated. And it's because it's in us. There's sin in us. And so there's always going to be this push toward uh, there's something missing. There's something better. Uh, you know, there's, it's just going to happen. It's human nature. And so I, what I've had to remind myself of, and, and this just comes through, honestly, discipline and habit of thanking God regularly for the gift that my dad is. Um, to where, because if you don't do that, what happens is you let these little things uh, get in between the two of you and you let little things just drive you nuts and it it wrecks the relationship and and it wrecks what, you know, God wants to do uh, in the future. And so um, I've had to learn to just say, not let that little stuff, because there are little disagreements. Mm-hmm. There are frustrations. There's things that he does that aren't the way that I would do them. There's things that I saw 10 years ago that I'm like, ah, why can't you see? This is a big deal. We need to do this. And he doesn't want to do it. And you wonder, you know, are you just being stubborn? Why are you so scared? When you start to get a little to change, you know, and of course that's ridiculous because my dad's never been afraid to change, but he's careful. Mm-hmm. He, he recognizes what's at stake. That's part of being a seasoned leader. Me being a young idiot, I don't know any better. I'm just thinking, no, this is right and you have to do it. You know, there's something I've learned over the years is just that the right decision at the wrong time is the wrong decision. Mm. And so you have to learn timing. And of course, that's what more seasoned leaders understand. And so for me, patience was a big thing is just learning. You can't make all the changes that you want to make right away. You got to be wise and do these things over time and do them slowly. And I've learned that from my dad, but that's been a big, that was a big struggle of mine is just learning patience. Yeah. Before we go to your, you said there were a couple, before we go to the next one, one thing I want to jump in on there is that um, one thing I heard Andy Stanley say one time, it was incredibly liberating for me was he, he said as a young leader, he would sit in the room and think I could do it better than you. Oh yeah. And I've been there. 
And but hearing him say because I've been there too, and yeah. hear, like things you're saying, I'm just like I suck, I yeah. just suck. Um, but but hearing Andy say like that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's right. a bad thing when it gets out of control, like you were talking about, yeah. where you're letting those little things erode the relationship. That's where it becomes a negative thing. But I think that if you have any drive about you, that's right. Um, yeah. that, that you're gonna feel that way. You are. I'm sure you're. I, I don't want to speak for your dad. I'm not, but I would imagine that even when he worked for other people, because he worked sure. at other churches too before Absolutely. he started his own, that he had those similar thoughts. Absolutely. Your dad's probably one of the most driven people I've ever met. Yeah. And so, um, so w- would you agree with that? Absolutely, I would agree with it. It's a it's a tension that I think most leaders, and I would argue, probably every leader has to manage the drive for more, the dissatisfaction with what is, and yet being thankful for what you do have. And and that's, I think that tension is, I think I could do this better. I think there's more, but not letting, here's the thing. If you lean into that dissatisfaction all the time, because you're going to have it, no matter, uh, you know, when you're, no matter, again, who you work for, you're, there's always reasons to be frustrated. If I think if you lean into that that sense of dissatisfaction with the present. And keep in mind, it, like, like, like you said, it's a good thing because it's that dissatisfaction that creates new possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a leader stepping in and, go, and, and saying, there could be more. Yeah. I see more here. That, that, that actually makes more possible. So it starts with that dissatisfaction or as you know, Bill Hybels likes to call it, a holy discontent. That's good. But if you lean into it all the time, then all you ever really see is what is not. Mm-hmm. And you really do get frustrated. And what I had to learn to do is, is, is just to lean the other way. And I, you know, I, I teach about this a little bit, but I just say lean toward thankfulness. It's, it's, you're going to have a tension and you want it. You want that inner conflict of this could be better. Things could be different. At the same time, you want to be able to lean toward thankfulness and say, I, I, get, I get it. Things aren't perfect. I see other possibilities but I'm going to be thankful for what I do have. For me, that was a daily, almost a daily practice of just finding a time on a regular basis to just say, God, thanks for my dad. And to remind myself of just all the wonderful things that he had done for me and what he had meant to me and been in my life. Because again, if you don't, what you run into is, is you just constant frustration, constant frustration. He's not doing this. He won't do that. He won't agree to this. And you get frustrated with all that stuff a little too easily. Which I'd imagine if you stay there too long is eventually going to completely erode the relationship mm-hmm. and there's going to be a break of some kind. Yeah, exactly. Well, the scripture says that it becomes a root of bitterness. Mm. And that's the part that I, you don't want. You know, it's all right to be angry. Ang- angry is, is uh, you know, uh, a dissatisfaction with what is and a drive to change things. Um, when you let that anger, though, become toxic it it settles it's like concrete that sets and it gets and that's when bitterness and man when you get bitterness it's it's really hard to repair a relationship once you get bitter yeah so you just you know my advice to every young leader out there that's dealing with any of this is 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 watch your heart man heart check all the time uh am i still called here it's one of the things that i had to ask myself a lot in those seasons of frustration am i still called here yes i knew i i didn't ever take long i always knew yeah, I'm still called here. Then be thankful for what you have and don't lean too much into this 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 dissatisfaction with the way things are lest you become you become bitter and toxic. I love I love how you laid that out though. You kind of showed the both sides there and that it is okay to have that frustration as long as it's not left unchecked because I know for me personally as a young leader 
And I mean, you've been around me enough to know I can be a fiery sucker and not always for the good. Um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but, but it, I also know that like for a long time, I felt like if I disagreed that like somehow like I was like, that was wrong that I had yeah. that sense of no. disagreement and then realizing later that it is okay, yeah. but like you're saying, you just got to make sure it stays checked. Disagreement isn't about, it doesn't equal disloyalty. They're not the same thing. It's all right to disagree. In fact, any leader, uh, you know, worth his salt is, it welcomes disagreement because you recognize right away that you don't have all the perspectives. So disagreement can be a healthy thing, but there's also going to be times, and as a follower, one of the things you got to realize is that there's going to be times where you're you're going to feel right. You're going to know you're right. Everything about your 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 feelings is going to tell you this feels right. I, I have the right, you know, decision here, and your leader's not going to do it. And you, you, you got to learn to process that and and to live with it, and to be all right with it, and to be thankful anyway through that. And if and if it's if it, you know, there are situations where it becomes it's a really serious deal, and you're like, man, I don't, you know, what what about leaving? That that, that those times come, and occasionally you have to ask yourself, am I still called here? Is this mm. where I'm still am at? Where I'm supposed to be at? But if the answer is yes. Then you gotta you gotta go back and say, all right, I gotta let this go, mm-hmm. and and that's where I just say that's the discipline of leaning toward thankfulness and not totally into your discontent. That's so good. That's so good. So so you said one of the challenges you faced over the past several years is patience. Um, what what is one of the other ones or any of the other ones that you want to talk about? Oh man, so many different challenges. Just learning to lead at a different level. It's just it's a totally different level. The, the where I was leading with the arts. I had a relatively small team. The people that I worked with were around me every day. Roughly how, like you say small team, roughly how many people? Um, well, I mean, there were there were probably, you know, 25 to 30 total people that worked under me, but the people that I interfaced with regularly, there might have been less than a dozen of them. And they were, they were around me every day. I would come into work. We would work together. That's what we did. We had a, we, there was no need for structure. There was, that I saw, no need for much hierarchy because... Because all of everything got done through interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. we could talk to each other and and work everything out, and 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 everyone worked so closely together. Our offices were open, so it was just it was a really. If you read the beginning of, uh, if you read in uh, Creativity Incorporated, there's a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's a part in there where Ed Catmull talks about the the, the first sort of work environment that he worked in was very similar to this. Uh, it's just a, a great group of friends. And it's a small group, and it's just, it's just wonderful to work with. And you don't need any structure when that happens. Mm-hmm. And you can produce some really great work. But the minute things start to grow, that structure, it doesn't, it, you know, it's very limited in its, what, it, what it can scale to. Mm-hmm. So I, I move over this, you know, this different group leading so much more of the church, and now it's just it's a totally different leadership structure and ballgame. So roughly now, how many people would fall under your leadership? Oh, geez, I don't know. You know, a couple hundred at least. I'm not sure. So 26 to a couple hundred. Yeah, so at least yeah, 10 yeah. Ten times. Yeah. What you were leading before, but at the same time, I'm I'm leading through even a, almost even a smaller group of people now. Sure. I mean, there's five people that report directly to me, and I we lead everything through those five people. Um, for me, I would say the heart, one of the hardest things and, and it just figuring out is what do I do? What is it that I do? And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think my story is a little different. I'm not as busy as you might think because I've, I'm, I've been 
I've given a lot of control to the five people that I that I work with, so my my schedule's not overcrowded. What I am trying to figure out is, the, but what should I be focused on? Where should I invest my time? And so I'm really trying to figure, and that's been tough. And what I've found is that at every leadership transition in my life, that's been the question that I've tried to figure out. And it's and it usually is is one of several. It takes me years mm. where I figure out like this is my groove, this is my rhythm, this is how I like to work. I'll have seasons where I think I figure it out, and then it's not quite right. I have to go back to the drawing board. I'm still in that place right now, two and a half years in of trying to go. Okay, what exactly should I be doing? Where should I spend my time? A big one for me is we. What is my role with the arts still? Mm. Do I have any role with the arts? I'm I, I pulled completely away from that, starting to lean a little bit more back into it. Again, just because that's who I am. So uh, figuring out how to lead again is 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 just has been a real challenge, and I'm still not I'm still not done with it. Wow! So you are starting to lean back into the arts a little, a little bit, bit at least. I'm I'm experimenting with it. Really, what's that yeah. look like so far? Um, it just it looks like it's trying to figure out a, a balance between my involvement. So so far, I've been completely disconnected and allowed them to do kind of what they want to do. Um, but there's, I don't know, there's, there's things that I think, you know, when I watch our services and I'm like, I think we can go further. I think there's more that we can do. And there's a, there's a passion that I have for being a part of all of that, that I had let go of just because it was like, well, I'm, you know, a pastor now and I've got to, I'm going to lean more into this world. And it was good for a season. Give them some space to learn a new way of working. But now it's trying to figure out a balance between not taking over like I used to and just be basically try to go back to my old role. Can't do that. And yet being involved enough that it can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of time does that look like? What kind of time can I give? Um, what kind of feedback should I be giving? All of those things are, are still up in the air. We, we don't have it solved yet, but I'm trying to figure it out where I can have some kind of role. Gotcha. Gotcha. So looking back though, now you've been removed from arts for two and a half, three years. Um, knowing what you know now, if you could go back to arts, what would you do different? It's a good question. Um, I've thought about that a lot lately. Um, in the role that I'm in now, what I see the need for is building a, you know, wherever you find yourself as a leader, I think one of the great things, and by, just a quick endorsement for Michael Gerber's book, um, E-Myth, and the whole concept of that is that your your role is to work on your business, not in your mm-hmm. business. Uh, to, to translate that to the church, you work on your church, not in your church. The churches that I have been around that have, what I would, that have the, the kind of reach that we aim for that we're aiming for at Church on the Move, you know, Church of the Highlands, Saddleback, Life Church, right here in our own backyard. Um, it's about building a reproducible model and, and that, that can be, you know, planted all over the place. And to do that, you have to create systems that you can then leave with other people or give to other people that they can run. And this is a real tension, though, for me when it comes to the arts, because I feel like art is so personal. I don't know that there's a system for, um, you know, for how to make a service, you know, the way that, that, that I would want it to be. I don't, I don't know that there's anything that could ever be written down on paper that would say this is exactly how you do it. 
So that's, a, that's been a challenge for me. But what I have asked myself is, if I was to go back, would I have tried to create a system that would have left our arts team in a better situation, a better place after I left um, than where they found themselves? Would I have, would I have tried to create a, 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 a more sustainable model that wasn't as dependent on me? And so I, I, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, but I've thought a lot about it. Whether or not that's what we're going to try to do right now, and uh, moving forward, I still think it's going to have some. You know, it's going to require some of my involvement, but, um, but but trying to figure out some kind of system that, that that makes that sustainable and repeatable in other locations. So, with your focus then right now, is your biggest objective with Church on the Move the the getting the systems in place? Absolutely. In every area, um, you know, we were we've been. My dad's a phenomenal leader, and I, I like to think of him. He's a, a pioneer. Um, I, the way I describe him is he's like a a bulldozer through a jungle. He tr- he's a trailblazer. That's yeah. what he does. He cuts a path, and and so you know our mission. The the joke uh, around church on the move a little bit is that our mission in the past has just been follow my dad. You know, the mission is just get behind me and, and follow, just do whatever it is that I tell you to do. We'll be good. And that's worked. I mean, it's built us, it's built our church to where we are now. He's, he's done a phenomenal job. And in the meantime, he has raised up leaders. I mean, here we are, he's, he's set himself up for, you know, the, the continuation of our church, even after his tenure, he's done a great job with that. But our job is to, uh, I think, push power down empower more people, create, give people uh, more decision rights. And to do that, you got to have a system so that the thing doesn't go crazy and people aren't doing whatever in the world that they want to do, but there's some boundaries of here's what we're going to do, here's how we're going to work, and, and so forth, and then allow people to create inside of that. And the truth is we've not really had much of that at Church on the Move in the, in the past. It's been very leader-led, very, hey, this is what I want to do, and that's what we do. And so for us, it's a lot of, I don't want to call it paperwork, but it's just figuring out, like writing down on a sheet of paper, all right, this is what we believe about this. This is what we believe about this. This is how these two areas are going to work together. I mean, just so that, so that the, the kind of the, the, the standard that we've looked at is thinking about other churches. Eventually, what we would like to be able to do is say, if you want to know how we do it, this is it. And I could hand you like a, you know, a playbook of sorts that says, all right, this you could operate basically what we do at your church. Here are, here's how we work. And it's all written out. And that's never existed for us. But if, you, if we do that, then what that should allow us to do is to reproduce because we'll, we'll, we'll know where our model is. Mm. And so, so, you know, you're just trying to define your operation. It's exactly the same process that McDonald's had to go through is define your operation, figure out what it is so that it's reproducible everywhere. And, uh, and, and so that's that's what we've been working on. It's been a huge endeavor. That's awesome. Um, so just to kind of wrapping it up here, you're going through this transition, not all the way through it yet. Um, I even just a, not just a few weeks ago at church, your dad said that uh, that the young guys kind of coming up and taking the reins. He's not going anywhere, right? Um, and uh, and I've even heard you say you're on Carrie Newhoff's podcast that you don't want your dad to go anywhere. No, the objective yeah. isn't to push him out the door at all. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> But what would you now being a few years into this and walked it out a little bit for anybody that's trying to transition a department or a whole organization like you are, what, what advice would you give them? 
Oh my goodness. That's such a huge question. Well, um, you know, I would say that it's for, it's for the senior leader, the guy who's transitioning out, especially if you're, if you're an out's a bad word in my case, but in the situation that you're in, you can only move at the speed of the leader in front of you. You know, if the, in in other words, in my case, it's my dad. I, what I what I would advice I would give is just be more patient. If I could go back and tell myself, just just slow down. God's timing is going to work out. You're you're where you need to be. You're not being passed by. You're not being forgotten. Just wait. Just be patient, and it'll be and it'll all be all right. And that's one of the great pieces of advice that we've had is just that it's his to give, not mine to take. Mm. And so you have to kind of just sort of uh, sit back and wait for the right time. And that 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 can be a big one. Is just asking yourself, you know, is is this the right time? The other thing that I would say is just that um, you know, when you're in the when you're in the secondary position, like I am, it's easy to think that everybody around you sees all of the flaws that you see. You're coming into this new department or whatever. You, you it's like, wow, I you know, I see. All of the all of the, these improvements that could be made. I see all of these changes that I want to make, and the assumption is that everybody else is just as enthusiastic, gung ho about those changes as you are. And so you set about making those changes, and then you realize that people are hesitant and that they're that they don't buy in, and 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 that's hard to understand. And and one of the things that I've heard, I think I heard it on Andy Stanley's leadership podcast, is just that. The quality of the idea is not the only factor in people's uh, people's acceptance of it. They have to they have to uh, buy into it. You have you you have to work to get their buy in, and you have to sell it to them and help them to see it. and And that's I don't know for leaders like me who want to just move quickly, and I, that's how I am. I'm not a patient leader. For some of you that you know we're gifted with the uh, the gift of patience, and then then this isn't a, a problem for you. But for people like me who want to move fast. You got to work to get people's buy-in. You got to work to sell that vision, to let people know where you're going, to what the heart is, and you've got to move at the speed that your team is ready to move at, and, and that your congregation is ready to move at. You just can't rush the thing because if you do, you risk uh, running off your 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 base. You risk uh, ruining the very thing that you're trying to fit to save and and continue. And so uh, that, I don't know that the, the patience factor and just getting people to to buy in has, have been two huge things for me. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you get people to buy in? And a lot of it's just one-on-one conversations, taking your time, walking people through things. It's amazing all the times that I heard, hey, people forget vision and they, you know, you, you got to sell it seven times before they, they really hear it. And as a leader, man, when you step into this position, you feel like, man, I said that already. I've already cast vision. I already told them where we're going. And, you, and then you, you just don't realize people, they, they're not, they don't hear you until they're ready to hear you. And so you just got to keep talking about it and keep talking about it and keep talking about it to where people um, to where people really have that opportunity to buy in. And so I don't know, I, you know, I'm not an expert at this. Maybe ask me after we've, we've completed it successfully, <laughs> but, but that's what I'd say right now. Patience and acceptance. Get people to accept your ideas. So good. So good. Well, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Whitney George. That's W-H-I-T-N-E-Y-G-E-O-R-G-E. No spaces there. That's my Twitter handle. And you can email me at uh, wit at churchonthemove.com if you like. 
Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And not only that, man, I just want to say thank you for the impact you've had on me. I have a world of respect for you, man. You've you've had a tremendous impact on me, and I'm eternally grateful for yeah, you. Thank you, Jared. I appreciate it. Thanks Absolutely. for having me on. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Creative Sheet Podcast. If you if you'd like to get in touch with us, if you got any questions, comments, anything, you can hit us up at creative underscore sheep. We are on the uh, the World Wide Web, Jared. We're all over there. We got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hit us up, ask us a question. And uh, definitely, if you like this podcast, hit subscribe. Maybe leave a review. Uh, that would uh, help us out big time. Absolutely. And folks, uh, while, you're, while you're still listening, uh, head over to creativesheep.org. If you jump over to our site, you'll see that if you just enter your email address, you can get any of our illustrations, any of our holiday uh, collaterals, any of our countdowns. Basically, any of the products that are already made out on our site, you can get them totally free. 100% completely free. We just are asking for your email address. One uh, string one string attached. Yeah, just your email address. Just your email address. And it's because we want to keep you apprised of some things that are coming up in the very near future that we are super stoked about here. Um, but uh, anyhow, head over to creativesheep.org. Grab uh, all the free stuff you want. Uh, folks, we really appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Farewell. Farewell.